Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Hey guys, Jacob here. Uh, Tonight I wanted to uh, talk to you guys about a message um, about faith amidst closed doors. How do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with unmet expectations? Maybe it was that admissions letter to that school you really wanted to get into that you waited weeks or even months to receive, only to read the words of, we're sorry to inform you, but you didn't get in. Maybe it was that moment when you confessed how you really felt to someone and their response was, I'm sorry, I I just don't feel the same way. Or maybe it's the realization that this quarantine life is not at all how you envisioned this year to be going. And all you want to do is get back together with your friends, your family, to have social interaction again. We've all had moments, and some of us are currently in that moment, where we really wanted the answer to something to be, yes, you're in, I like you too, Corona-19, cure it overnight. And if you're like me, a lot of these moments were preceded by day after day of prayer. But when God comes back with the answer, no, how do we continue to move forward in a loving relationship with a loving Father, even when it seems like the door just got slammed in our faces. We can learn a great deal from the Bible as we look at the people there and how they respond with God closing the doors upon their earnest requests. Their response to God when he comes back with the big fat no gives us an excellent example of how to move forward amidst pain and disappointment while still honoring and yes, even praising God through it all. The first story of unanswered prayer that we'll take a look at is that of the crowd on Palm Sunday when Jesus comes through to Jerusalem. You see, leading up to this moment is towards the end of Jesus' ministry, and he decides to go to the city of Jerusalem. And his arrival to the city is met with huge shouts of joy. Crowds are shouting, swarms of people are gathering just to catch a glimpse of him, and people are laying down their coats and palm fronds over the path that he's crossing, and they're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna, they cried out. Over and over again, multitudes of people across the city. And if we take a closer look at that word, Hosanna, we see that it roughly translates to savior, rescuer, to help, to save. And so we see that the cry and the prayer of the people here is rescue us, save us now, we pray. They believe that their Messiah has come and he has come to both establish his kingdom and to bring salvation. And in this, they're correct, but their expectation of how Jesus was going to do this was a little off. See, many are shouting for joy here because their expectation of Jesus is that, his, is that the salvation he was bringing was a political one, that he was there to end Roman rule, and they expected a physical establishment of God's kingdom. But this was not how God intended to do things. Hosanna, save us now, we pray. Rescue us, deliver us. This is the earnest prayer of the Jews in Jerusalem. And I'm sure that when they saw Jesus just a few days later, whipped, beaten, and crucified, many of them felt like a large door was just slammed on their faces. But in reality, God was opening a door to salvation much larger than any of them could have imagined. Not salvation just for the Jews from the Roman Empire in that day, but salvation for all of us from sin for eternity. How often has God answered your prayers differently than you might have expected? And what might have seemed like a closed door then, God was actually accomplishing something much greater. As a small example of this, when I was a kid and throughout most of my childhood, my family struggled financially. 
My family had moved back to California from Hawaii right around when the, the housing market crashed. And so for my dad, who was a general contractor remodeler, his business was hit really hard. And during that time, my family slowly started falling into more and more debt. And I could see the stress that was putting on, on my family and especially my dad. And so I would pray, little kid Jake, I would pray, God, help us, save us from these debts. And I know my expectation, if I'm honest with myself, I know my expectation from God was that, was that he would provide us with, with money, that he, would, uh, provide, that he would bless our efforts to deliver us. But that was not the case. <laughs> we never won the lottery. Rain, you know, money didn't rain down from the sky. We continued to struggle financially, and my prayer to God to deliver us by making us rich didn't come to pass, at least not in the way that I expected. See, while God did not enrich us physically in wealth, he did enrich us spiritually in faith. I mean, it's kind of crazy because time after time after time, when it seemed that it would be impossible to make ends meet for a family of 10, God would meet our needs and provide for us. I remember one time specifically when my parents were standing out in the driveway. I was in high school and I had just come out to the driveway to ask something really trivial. But I remember the following moments so clearly because it was one of the few moments when I saw my dad just look just the even the slightest bit defeated. See, coming out to the driveway, my parents had just finished praying. And I found out that our landlord had given us a final notice. We had fallen behind on rent, and if we couldn't pay it by the end of, end of the day, we were going to lose our home. And as the sun is starting to, to come down and meet the horizon, and my mom and dad and I are out there, um, a truck comes around the corner. The driver pulls up in front of us, hops out, and asks if the, the pop-up trailer that my dad was leaning up against, if it was still for sale. It was something that we'd put up on Craigslist some days before, but no one had responded to it, and, you know, we didn't think that anything was going to happen. But this guy comes up in a truck, and he buys it on the spot. And with that sale, we had just enough to make our rent payment. And this is what really struck me that day. See, my, my, parents, my parents' prayer wasn't so much a request for deliverance, but rather it was a submission to God, trusting that no matter the circumstances, whether we had a home or no home, a house or no house, for a family of 10, submission to God that he would still provide for what we needed. And so just a few moments after closing in that prayer, after weeks of praying for God to deliver us from our debts and you know, by, by giving us more work, by, by increasing our income for my dad to make more money, when it came down to the final hours, our expectations weren't met in that way. But in submitting and depending on God, he provided for us in that moment through a stranger in a truck who happened to see a Craigslist ad and, Craigslist ad and decided to come up and buy a pop-up trailer. And it gave us just what we needed at the time we needed it. God gave us what we needed that day to keep our home. And it was crazy. You know, there were several examples like that for me growing up. And it, and it kind of felt like the Israelites um, in the wilderness being provided manna, you know, that, that even amidst our struggles, we would always have just enough. And not just that, but growing up, God, God taught me a dependence, not upon my own success to be, able to, provide for, to be able to provide for myself or for others, but rather a strong trust that no matter the circumstance, God will provide what I need. And so little kids, Jake's prayer to be delivered from financial struggle wasn't answered through sudden cash flow or um, you know, the blessings of, of more income or anything like that, but rather freedom from worry about having enough in a deeper, more trusting relationship with God. And so my point in sharing this story is that sometimes the closed doors we face is not so much God saying flat out no, 
It's kind of more like in searching for our answer, we're knocking at the wrong closed doors and, and God is trying to draw our attention to a bigger and better door saying, no, not that door, come over here. I've got something better for you. For my family, I was praying for deliverance through wealth and success, but God said, come over here. I've got something better for you. I will bring deliverance, not through your efforts, but through mine. I will provide for you, said God. You know, for some of us, our expectations of God was to get us into that school, that relationship, to open that door. But right now, God is saying, come over here. I've got something better for you. He says, I have better things to teach you and grow you in at this school, in this community. He says, I have a greater love for you to experience. And he says, I know you want this door, but I have something else in store for you. Jeremiah 20, 11 says, I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. We just got to trust him. For the Jews in Jerusalem, you know, praying, whose prayer was to, to topple over the, the Roman government, this is not, you know, God's answer to that would be no. But many would soon see that God's plan of salvation was much bigger than that. God would open the biggest door of open doors. But before he would do that, Jesus would come to him in perhaps the most intense prayer ever prayed. And rather than answering his prayer or opening other doors, God would tell him a hard, flat no. Jesus came into Jerusalem amidst all this praise and fanfare. But throughout it all, he knew what he came there to do. He knew of the suffering that he was about to endure. During his ministry in Jerusalem, he would tell his disciples on a number of occasions, he turned to them and say, the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. And in the hours before he was to be betrayed, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives and to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, asking, asking God that he might not have to go through the suffering and beating that he was about to go through. In Mark, it reads that they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. And in Luke, it reads that in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and, in, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus prays here with such an earnest intensity that you and I would be hard-pressed to match. And you would think that if anyone, quote-unquote, deserved to have their prayers be answered, it would be Jesus, right? But that wasn't the case here. Jesus prays the same prayer three times. He goes back to God three times that God might open a different door, that he wouldn't have to suffer and die so that we might be saved. But each time God says no. As a result, Jesus would endure much pain and suffering so that we might be saved. He would take on our sins, he would go to the cross, and he would experience absolute separation from God so that in his resurrection, we would be saved. We would be able to have a relationship with him. And yet, despite how distressed, despite how troubled or anxious he is at what he knows is about to transpire, Jesus submits himself to God's will and walks in obedience. How can he do this? Because he places his trust in God the Father that what the enemy might have intended for evil, God will use for good. And his trust was not misplaced. Because we know that after all this suffering, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and he returned to heaven to prepare a place for us. And if we look at Jesus' prayer in the garden, we see that this one closed door was the key for him to open endless doors of salvation for us. His closed door meant he had to endure pain and suffering, yes, but his experience first, his experience firstly meant that we could share an eternal life with him, and secondly, that he could empathize with us even in our darkest places. 
A perfect God who never needed to experience pain, suffering, separation did so. He was anxious. He was distraught. He was betrayed, beaten, mocked, tortured. And when as God, he never needed to subject himself to these things, but he did this in part that he could share in those experiences with us and that we might know that he understands what we go through in our own trials and storms. And so in the same way, just as his suffering allowed him to empathize with us and bring us new life, so too do the struggles and trials and storms that we endure allow us to empathize with others who have gone through the same thing and in being able to relate to them, we might be able to share with them hope of a new life with Christ. God may not always answer our prayers that we might be able to circumvent or go around life storms, but we have a choice as to whether or not we're willing to trust in God and in his goodness. You know, we have the story of the disciples in the storm fearing for their life when Jesus is right there with them sleeping. And in their moment of panic, they wake, they wake Jesus up pleading with him to save them. And yes, Jesus gets up and he calms the storm, but he also calls them out for their lack of faith. Jesus, Jesus was in the boat. God was in the boat. But no matter how tough the storm, that boat isn't going to sink. Like Jesus tells his disciples, we need to have faith and we need to put our trust in Christ that he will carry us through. Our life as Christians will not be all sunshines and rainbows. There will be times when we are called to weather the storms we find ourselves in whilst holding on to the hope and the promise that God is still by our side. God may not help you go around the storm, but he will not leave you. Will you trust him in the storm? And will you trust that as intense or difficult or wearing it may be, what the enemy intended to use to stumble you, to overcome you, to turn you, to turn you away from God, will you trust that God can and will use it for your good? Our closed doors today may lead to open doors of the lost tomorrow. Just as Jesus' closed doors led to the open door of salvation for the rest of us. My hope is that when you guys pray and find yourselves running into closed doors or, or unanswered prayers, that you might not be discouraged, but that you guys will be encouraged in the fact that you know that we have a God that we can always depend on. So I challenge you guys this week with... with uh, you know, if there's something that you guys have been praying for and it feels like your prayers have been going unanswered or that God has been saying no, I challenge you guys with three things to think about. Number one, don't be afraid to persevere and continue praying about it. Jesus in the garden goes back to God three times before he goes to the cross. Paul writes in Corinthians about a physical affliction he suffers, a metaphorical thorn in his side. And even though God doesn't heal him, he writes that he still brought it before God on multiple occasions. Don't let the fear of God saying no keep you from having a relationship with him. Bring to him whatever is on your heart. Don't be afraid to persevere. Number two, prepare to shift your expectations. What you might think is a simple no now, God might actually have other doors waiting for you around the corner. So the Jews were not set free from Roman rule, but God opened the door for us to be set free from the rule of sin. My family was not set free from financial burden, but God set us free from constant financial worry and grew us closer in relationship to him. You see, your closed door now may be the key God is giving you to open up other doors down the road, whether it's for you or for, for others. As you pray, prepare to shift your expectations. And finally, number three, trust him. We have a loving father who is working in our lives to grow us, mature us, and bring us closer to him. In order to do that, sometimes the answer will be no, but he will never leave you or forsake you. He will always be there. Through the storms and the valleys, the highs and the lows, God will always be there walking alongside you and at times carrying you through the storm. And when it feels like the doors have just been slammed in your face and it just knocks the wind out of you, I encourage you guys to lean on God, to trust him, because whether the doors of our prayers are open or closed, he will be there and he still has a plan for you in your life. 
So I encourage you guys, even amidst closed doors, come back to him and open up your heart. Persevere in your prayers. Expand your expectations of what God can do and place your trust in God's in God's will and his plan for you. All right, you guys have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.